We here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. So we're in a series called um, God's Dream, God's Dream for the World, and uh, it's very important. And I just love this picture when I when I got this. I'm a um, a pranky man, so often I get the image for the message before I get the message. <laughs> and uh, this for me was just uh, so it's underwater, it's submerged, and it's like a very comfortable couch. And if we are called to to live like Ephesians two verse six says that we are. Um, seated in Christ in heavenly places and the idea I want to portray this morning is when when you go underwater I don't know like you you everything goes quiet like all the noise all the the crying babies next to the pool is like that serene feeling it's like I want to stay here but then you run out of breath and you have to come up again I don't know even life um, it's, it's, I mean, it's the first long weekend of the year after, obviously, the holidays. So life is getting busy. By this time, it's the first school holiday. So people are starting to get tired. Um, and I just felt like God wants to share this word with us this morning. But this picture, really, you should keep this in mind because this is sort of the feeling that I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to get. Like, you are at rest in Him. You are at rest in Him and you are as it will be. You are protected as it be. You are, um, you are segregated. You are secluded. We, we read the word sanctified and we think it means you need to learn, like polish your shoes and, 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 and tuck in your shirt. Sanctified means you have been set apart. You've been set apart. And that's this picture. We have, we have the Holy Spirit in us and we, we have Him obviously now wanting to flow and overflow. Um, but then... We are in a different realm, if you will. And we're going to look at it this morning. But we are looking at that this was always God's plan. This was God's dream. God's dream was that we would be with Him and that we would be one with Him. So therefore, uh, that song was so amazing. But I want to just quickly share um, a word someone gave this morning. In, uh, f- someone from our dream team. So Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36, verse 24. And when I say God's dream... It's throughout the Bible. <laughs> it's right in the beginning. Genesis 1. God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters of the earth, because the earth was without form and void. What is the world looking at? Or looking like? The world is without form. They're crazy. They have no idea. Romans 1 speaks about it. About how they just have given up on the idea of God. Um, they're void. They're empty. And it's not us versus them. Okay? It is, we have found what we've been looking for, and the other people are still looking for it, so we need to help find them, and then give them what they're looking for. And that's why we do stuff like outreach, and we won't do it every Sunday, so if you're going to miss this week, you're going to miss it, Uh, but we'll do it again, because it's church culture. As a church, we are a people reaching out, and that's why I say on a Sunday, we're just celebrating together, but we are constantly on the move. We are constantly reaching out. So listen to Ezekiel 36, a prophecy of God's dream. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart of your flesh, out of your flesh, 
and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people and I will be your God. That's God's dream. God's dream is that his spirit is going to live in you. And yes, the Israelites were God's people, but only God's people so that the Spirit of God could flow through the Son of God and the Son of God could be born under the Jews. Okay, so salvation didn't come because of the Jews. Salvation came out of the Jews. Christ was born a Jew. Amen? Because they had a covenant through Abraham, but the promise for Abraham was that you will have what? Many descendants. And then the promise also was that you will, blessed, you will be blessed to be a blessing. That's the Spirit. You will receive the Spirit, the blessing, the anointing, so that you can be a blessing. Know that so that you can be blessed. One of the greatest revelations that I've had, um, and I thank Shane for that, one of the teachings he gave was, Abraham was rich when God promised. He was already rich. Why? Because he sold his wife twice. You see, he made a franchise, he made a franchise business out of his wife. Why is franchise a good business model? Because you sell the same business a few times. No? Abraham did that with his wife. Ladies? Today's ladies are not as gracious, are they? You will only be sold once and you will not return. I'm not returned goods, amen? The audacity. He does it twice. That's why he was rich. Pharaoh gave him horses and mules and slaves. Why? With his wife. Take back your wife and take all my, my riches. So the blessing of Abraham is not riches. Ah, It's much more. It is that you will be blessed and be a blessing. You will receive the Spirit. And Galatians 3 and verse 14 says now that the promise to Abraham has been fulfilled, which is the outpouring of the Spirit now living in a man. That was God's dream all along. God put ground and gold in the ground to keep people busy, but that's not riches. True riches is what is on the inside of us. You see, everything we see with a natural eye, I believe, is a metaphor for what is going on in the spiritual realm. Digging for gold, you've got gold inside of you. If you've got God, that's the true riches. Amen? And that's the dream, Ezekiel 36. So we've been looking at Hebrews 11, and I like this translation, the voice, and it says, verse 39, these, though, commended by God for their great faith, did not receive what was promised. That promise has awaited us. So it's the promise, the covenant, the blessing, the testament. All those are speaking about the same thing in the Word. Don't get confused. It's speaking about covenant. The promise has awaited us who received the better thing that God has provided in these last days, so that with us, our forebearers, might finally see the promise completed. Some translation speaks about perfection attained the promise perfected um, perfection attained and it's only speaking about the spirit that the holy spirit of god would be in a man hebrews 12 then obviously is just we, we just read on so hebrews 11 gives you this hall of faith it's all these great men and women of god and then the end says hey whoop they didn't have it all there's more now that's why i love our kids church because they teach it's more they don't just teach David and Noah and all these things. They teach the, the fullness of it. And um, I spoke to Shane in the week about some things and, and we sort of got to the conclusion and he used this term, we don't teach from Adam. We teach from Christ. Adam is the natural man. We can teach relationships. Husbands love your wives. Wives cook good food, whatever. That's teaching from Adam, amen. That's not going to help anyone. But we teach from Christ. 
The second Adam, the new Adam. Romans 5 says the much more, the better side of things. That's what we do and that's who we've got. And Christ really living in us is in the spirit form. So we're reading Hebrews 11 and then I believe one of the big injustices that we have, but we allow it ourselves so we can do something about it, is we stop at the end of a chapter. So we read Hebrews 11, donkey talk, three chapters, I can close the Bible, I can go to bed now. So we miss the flow. So what I, what I challenge you to do is, when you read a chapter, read a chapter, but just read five verses before and five verses after. Just to break your mindset, because as you get to know the Word, you know Romans 5 is much more. You know Romans 8 is no condemnation. But it isn't. Because Hartman taught a brilliant word on Romans 8, and it was all about the Spirit. And now I look at Romans 8, and I see it's just Spirit, man. It's living in the Spirit, not living in the flesh. But you contrast that with Romans 7, which is this confused mind between mind renewal of the natural man wanting to live more, more holy. So let's read on then. So Hebrews 11:40 is the last verse, then we read on. Next verse, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore seeing, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Who are, who's those witnesses? Everyone listed in Hebrews 11. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The race there is the agon. The Greek word is agon. It's where we get agony. Lovely. Someone promised you become a Christian and life will be easy. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus says in this world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I live in a deeper, more perfect, more permanent state, which is the spirit realm. Looking unto Jesus. How do we do this? Looking unto Jesus. Not looking unto ourselves. Not looking unto the Aegon. The author and the finisher of our faith. I believe there should be just the finisher of faith. Not our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Again that picture. He's, sit, he's seating. Jesus is sitting currently. That's why when, when, when Paul saw Jesus in heaven and he was actually getting up like behold I see him standing so because why he said Paul Paul why are you persecuting me Jesus wasn't hit with stones the church was Stephen was others but Christ took it personal why because he was in them he was in them so you're never alone the voice translation verse 2 says now stay focused on Jesus who designated and perfected our faith. I like that. He endured the cross and ignored the shame of that death because he focused on the joy that was set before him. And now he is seated beside God on the throne, a place of honor. So what I want to share with you this morning, how do we live this life? We have to have our eyes focused on Jesus. And how did he do it? He is our example. He did it by on the, the joy set before him. So he went through the cross all the horrors, you can go read Isaiah 53, go read Psalm 22, um, go read the, the gospel accounts. All of that he did. Why? How? How? With the joy set before him. Now what is that joy? It's very important that we know what is the joy because that is the dream. It, would you agree with me? God's dream is why then Christ came and Christ had God's dream in mind which was the joy set before him. So God is happy. Okay? Are we on the same page? If you're not, then hang around. We'll show you God is a happy God. Amen? We've got some great resources outside again on how to be happy because God is happy. 
So the joy set before Jesus, what was that? So the Gospel of John is so precious because it is just a little different. It is sort of a hybrid between the Gospel accounts and the epistles of Paul and Peter and others. It is, it is giving the story, but it is giving you the behind the scenes as well. Mark, Luke says, listen guys, I just wrote what I saw. Like he says it, Luke 1, he says, this is an eyewitness account. I'm not trying to explain spiritual doctrine or truth. This is what was seen. This is if you watch the video, this is what you will see. The same for Acts. So we must be careful when we go and take doctrine from Acts, but different story, different day. John gives us this insight because why? He was the one on Jesus' bosom. He was there at the cross. Who was there? All the others ran away. Peter wasn't hiding. Judas was hanging himself. John was there. How do we know? He said, ma'am, this is your son, Mary. Mary, this is, John, this is your mother. Why? Because he was there. And the root cause that gave him that bravery or um, yeah, boldness even was that he knew Jesus loved him. I mean, there's great teachings on that. The disciple whom Jesus loved. But John 17 is the prayer Christ prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just hours before he is captured. He is actually captured right there by Judas and the, and the, and the soldiers. So stick with me. Jesus knows what's coming. Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, he didn't run away. Can we say that? He stayed there. How did he stay there? It was the joy. Now, let's go and look at the prayer, because I believe the prayer will give us insights on what was Jesus' focus in those trying moments. You agree with me? Is that good logic? Okay. John 17, verse 13. But now I come to you, and for time's sake, we're not going to get through all of this, but you can really go and read John 17. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Wow. Christ prays for our joy to be His joy in us. But Hebrews says, for the joy set before Him. So what is that joy? It is that His joy will be in us and that it will be fulfilled. How can I say that? Because that's what he prays. That's the dream. That's what he's putting in front of him. He says that my joy fulfilled in them. So you don't have to stir up your own joy and tell yourself, look in the mirror and say, hey, look happy. <laughs> it's not working, is it? It is focusing on Christ and let his joy stir up in your heart. What is the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Where? In the Holy Spirit. The Spirit was given because of righteousness. John 16 gives us that answer. Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. What is that? I believe it's the Spirit. Not as the world gives. And what else? Joy. My joy be fulfilled. So in Hebrews 12, he says, the joy set before me. In John 17, he prays, my, may my joy be fulfilled in them. Verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. So the joy of Christ was not that we leave this place. Sorry. Some of you hope that, just want to get saved and get out of here. <laughs> that's not the joy because that's not the prayer. 
but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus' dream, God's dream, is not the great escape. It's not the wegrapen. Okay? That's not when God's going to be finally happy and His dream is fulfilled. His dream is actually, in verse 18, it says, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. So the last time, like Jerusha said, the church had an instruction to wait was, go, but just wait till you get power from on high. And then you have a green light. So we've got a few green shirts in the house and Hilda's wearing green. It's, I know it's St. Patrick's Day and all of that. Did you know St. Patrick was a patron saint to Ireland because he was a missionary there? It's got nothing to do with Guinness beer. St. <laughs> Valentine was a Christian martyr. It's got nothing to do with cupids and red arrows. Why do we remember these people? Forget about the worldly reason. Because they gave up their lives and they went. They went, no matter the cost. The joy set before him was that this body, this movement, will go. But they will go full. Filled and full. They will go full of Christ, full of the Spirit, full of power. So Jesus' dream and joy is not fulfilled in us leaving this world. Jesus' joy is fulfilled in us in this world. Verse 19, And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's you. The joy set before Christ was you. This is minutes before Judas and the gang shows up. It's called the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the, the oil press. It's where pressure is applied. In this world, there is pressure applied. But that is where we are. And that's where we're supposed to be. I pray... Oh, I can't get over this. Verse 20. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be what is the prayer? Unity. Oneness. The song was, there's only one master plan. Where did they get the words? John 17. There's only ever been one dream, one plan, one joy. It's oneness. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in each other. No, in us. Yes, we are one with each other because we are one with Christ. Sorry for that. Why? So that the world will believe that you sent me. In another place, Jesus says, By this will men know that you are my disciples, by your love for each other. So the point I'm going to try and make this morning is that the Spirit of God is the love of God. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And it goes on. Righteousness, long-suffering, patience, kindness, goodness, mercy. The Passion Translation says, The fruit of the Spirit, singular, is love. Manifested as patience, kindness, long-suffering. I like that. The fruit of the Spirit is us. 
but also how we deal with each other. How will people know that you're my disciples? By your love for each other. What means love? Love is, Jesus says, there's no greater love than this. Then you lay down a day of the week for your brother. A few hours a day. I was thinking about this yesterday when Jordan wasn't falling asleep like he should have. I said, love is laying down your life. Not a day, not a job, not an hour or few, some years, gap year. It's your life. But that's the privilege we have. By this will all men know that you are my disciples by your love. Link that to John 17 and verse 21 that says, Father, may they all be one as you are in me and I am in you. May they be in us for by this unity the world will believe that you sent me. So we made a point last week. We said the only way that we'll ever be in unity is through the Spirit because we all have too many opinions. And you laugh because it's true. You know, stand-up comedy, you just laugh because they say what everyone's thinking, usually. And they color it in a bit. I'm taking that further and I say the only chance we have of unity is love because that means I'm keeping my opinions because I'm laying down my life. It's not what I want, it's what God wants. It's not my joy, it's His joy. It's not what is said before me, my dream, no. It is what said before Him, which was, yes, me filled, but also so everyone else filled. Verse 22. I've given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity, New Living Translation, that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them. How much? As much as you love me. You have to deal with that. Think about it. You don't love yourself as much. We, we, we tend to find fault. We, we are harsh critics of ourselves often the harshest critics. But God loves you as much as He loves Christ. Take it, deal with it. <laughs> and start loving yourself. If there was ever one person who was, who was held back by their past, it was Paul. Because he was thinking he was doing the right thing. That's worse. When you know you're doing the wrong thing and you get punished, that's okay. But when you think you're doing the right thing and you realize you were 180 degrees in the wrong direction, that's, that's bad. But he said, one thing I do, forgetting the past and looking forward. Jesus, one thing he did, forgetting the past, forgetting his place of honor and looking forward to living in us. And the testimony of this is that the world will know that Christ was sent by God. That blows my mind. That's big. When we live in unity, the world will know that God sent Jesus. How? I don't know. <laughs> but I do have some, some insights on this because when we are here today together, there's no reason we should be here together except Christ. We're not as diverse as I would like us to be yet, but we'll get there. But it is because diversity is irrelevant when it's spiritual. 
Because in Christ we are all one. Neither male nor female, neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. We are all one. Paul goes on to explain this oneness that we have in Christ and the number of his letters to the early churches. And we won't extensively go through all of it, but 1 Corinthians 12 says, For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body. He's really making a point here. One body. So also is Christ, because it's his body. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. That baptized is not going and dunking for a swim. It's so difficult some Sundays for me. <laughs> because we are building. We're coming from places. Last year we shared on completeness and perfection in Christ. A few weeks ago we shared on baptizo. The fact that baptizo means it is not dipping in and out. It is dunking and staying there. It is like what you do with pickles in a jar. That is the picture of that chair. You're not going anywhere. You are seated in Christ. You are not going anywhere. And he has changed your nature. You are preserved for eternity. That is what this baptism is. It is becoming one with Christ. You are baptized into Christ. And why would you ever want to get out? Whether you can, it's a different discussion. Again, different, different topic, different day. You are baptized. You are becoming one with, endrenched. You are submitting to Christ and it is so beautiful because verse 12 says you are just actually becoming a member of his body now I don't know about you when I woke up this morning my hands were attached to my body <laughs> praise God <laughs> they went running around and I had to find one in the cupboard and one in the kitchen and, but, but that's what Christians do we want to run around and we get out of and I'm not happy with this guy and Peter got off on a, on a wacky idea again on Sunday so I'm going to go somewhere else or I don't like the worship here or the aircon is too cold or the aircon is too hot. I want to get out of this body. Now obviously he's speaking about church, capital C, globally. But if you want to bear fruit, get rooted and grounded. Plug in somewhere and stay there. Just stay for a while. Give us a chance. Join a life group. Join the dream team. Give it a proper chance if you want to see fruitfulness. Like, give God a chance, amen? Because He works through His body. It says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Ephesians 4 says there's one Spirit, there's one church, there's one baptism. Corinthians says there's one body. And we are baptized by the Spirit. Very important. How are we baptized into one body? By the Spirit. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. That drink, you can go study the word there. It means to be endrenched. It means to drink until you're full. Like it's not just a sip. So what is God? God is love. Come to our relationship sessions and we'll share that. <laughs> God is love. So when we become one with Him, we become one with love. And agape, God's kind of love, is spiritual. Because God is a spirit. Okay, this is all going to make sense. It's, it's, it's going to start coming together now. When we become one with Him, we become one with love. Back to John 17, verse 23. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love 
me. Let me just check the New King James. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. What was Hebrews, 10, Hebrews 11 speaking about? There's a greater promise which promises perfection. What is that? Here it is. Jesus is giving us the answer. Perfection is being one with Him through the Spirit. And that the world may know that you've sent me. Who's that? It's not just us. It's the world. Look at it. We like to make it us because we also the era. Also, it's okay. Like, I'm here. The Sunday, it's long weekend and I'm here. God loves me. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved. Who? If you're not convinced yet, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. Even when they don't want in, they can still be harassed, <laughs> hunted down, perplexed by God's love for them. And that is Jesus knocking on their hearts. I love you. I love you. You know why? Because I knew where I came from. I wasn't going after God, but God was coming after me. His love was hunting me down. Surely goodness and mercy will hunt me down, follow me, after me, every day of my life. Psalm 23. But when we say, for God so loved the world, John 3.16, we got that down, but now we look, look at it, that same concept in John 17. Now, I'm going to make one more point here. God is love. How can He not love the world? That should settle it. Those people you struggle to like, those people who rub you the wrong way, some of your, your, uh, um, your in-laws, your horrible bosses, God loves them. And God has sent you to help show them that He loves them. You see why it doesn't... It's a sacrifice. Because Romans 12 says we are now living sacrifices. Because if that person is wronging you and they keep on wronging you and you've said and you've put your boundary and you've asked nicely and you've blown a gasket and they keep on doing it, you have the opportunity to love or to leave. That's why it's called a living sacrifice. You can get off the altar and run away. Or you can stay there and say, hey, it's not about me. It's about Christ in me. The hope of glory. Now, I'm not saying let yourself be ambushed and whacked and trampled over. I'm not saying that. If you're in an abusive relationship, get out, come speak to us. I'm just saying as much as you've got in you, love people. Because that is what Christ does. They spat on Him. They ripped out His beard. They ridiculed Him. He was wrongfully accused, wrongfully crucified. And what did He say? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they've done. We'll speak at, it at Easter, but it's a continuous tense that. 
He said it many, many times. He said it over and over and over and over and over again. That is how he endured for the joy that was set before him. And it's not how people respond because Jesus was hanging in the middle and one person on this side responded horribly and the other one said, Lord, think about me. Same Jesus. Same message. Same sacrifice. Some people take it, some people spit on you. As long as they cut to the heart, you give them the opportunity to react. And then they have a decision. We spoke about John 3.16. Let's look at Romans 5 verse 8. God demonstrates His love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, some of us, we love, but we love in secret. We are secret love agents. We don't tell our in-laws we love them. They'll never know, but we love them. We pray for them. We read scriptures and we think about them, and it's usually those about, Lord, let my enemy go to the ground, or Lord, let it rain down on them, or God makes it rain on the just and the unjust. Yeah, no, my, that, I mean, I saw their garden was looking, was, was looking tipped up. Don't be secretive. Demonstrate it. The voice translation. When the time was right, the anointed one died for all of us who were far from God, who were powerless and weak. Now it is rare to find someone willing to run or to die for an upright person, although it is possible that someone may give up his life for one who is truly good. Verse 8. But think about this. While we were wasting our lives in sin, God revealed His powerful love to us. In a tangible display, the anointed one died for us. That's powerful. Visible. On a hill. Golgotha. Up in the middle. Crucified. This is love. Then I lay down my life for you. How can we then experience this amazing unselfish love of God? Good question. Thank you for asking. Romans 5 verse 5. We looked at verse 6 to 8. Let's look at 5. It says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It's the first time I connected this, and this is really the crux of the message. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out where? In our hearts, in our inner man, by the Spirit. You see, we've made the Spirit to be power and love is something else, but the Spirit is power because He is love. Because God is the Spirit and God is love. So what He's done is He's poured out His Spirit. He's poured out His love. One of the translations says, gushes forth. Think about the biggest waterfall you've ever seen. That's the picture Paul is trying to convey here. That's how much of the Spirit you've got. You think we've got, oh, I need to love so big, but I've only got a teeny-weeny Holy Spirit. Faith works by love. How does miracles happen? By the Spirit, yes, but faith. Now think about this in practical sense. You stand here, you worship. Love is not praying for yourself while you worship. Love is praying for someone else. Laying down your needs, praying for someone else. Standing here, I want a word. Not because I want to share something up front. No, God, who do you want to love today? Well, everyone. Okay, Lord, who do you want to love on specifically today? I want to get into sharing on how to hear God's voice because I believe it's going to really put us into a next set of maturity, but just don't have the release yet, so hang in there with me. But when we hear, 
a message of love, that is usually when it's powerful prophetic words. God, who do you want to love? God, how do you want to love them? What do you want to say? You see, before you know it, you're in faith. You're trusting for a word. You're operating in the Spirit. But the motivation is love. In Galatians 5, I believe it's verse 6, says, Faith works by or because of love. So when you hear a prophetic word and it's not love, then don't take it. It's not from God. If it doesn't convict you of sonship, of Christ's deity, or of love, don't take it. Because the Holy Spirit lifts up Christ, the Holy Spirit is the love of God, and the Holy Spirit speaks what He hears, and God only has good things to say about you. The love of God is manifested, is on display when? Not on the cross only, but because of the cross. You see, for so long we've lived at the foot of the cross. We lived on Easter Friday. Thank you, Lord, for the payment. But we have to live at Pentecost. Thank you for the pouring out because of the payment. A lot of the church worldwide is not even living there. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says the love of God. A lot of them are not even living there. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've gotten there. Amen. But now the fellowship, the union, the communion of the Holy Spirit. The intimate oneness with His power. I'm not sure that we're going to get there. But this is marriage. It is power. It is love. It is laying down your life. It is unity. It is oneness. It is spiritual. It is eternal. And Ephesians 5, Paul says, I think I'm explaining marriage, but actually I'm talking about Christ and the church. Christ has laid down His life, taken His bride to be one with Him. Share intimate fellowship, friendship, union. So much more than sex. But from that place, there's unity, there's fruitfulness, discipleship. There's overflow. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I can do a whole sermon just on that verse. How did you get the Spirit? It was given. It was past tense given. So why do people pray for the Holy Spirit to be poured out afresh and anew? And it was given. Not when you prayed, when you fasted. No, it was given. It was poured out. When? At Pentecost, 50 days after the cross. That's the last time the Spirit was poured out. Because I never see where He went back into the bottle. Or the jar, or whatever he was poured out of. He was poured out to be poured out, to be left out among us. He was poured into us. And that is the love of God. You will never ever be alone again. Even if you're in the most horrible marriage thinkable. Even if your spouse is dead or you've never had one. 
Be content with that. Hebrews 13.5 Money will not help you, but what you have is amazing. What you have is Christ. And you have Him in spirit form. All because of this covenant, the spirit covenant. The manifestation of God's amazing love for us is realized in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has now moved in and has become one with us. That's what verse 5 says. That's marriage. Spirit has moved in. He's dwelling. He's staying. Remember when you were dating? You don't know what time should you go home and what are your weekend plans and like when, when. And now that you're married, now you're just there. The Holy Spirit is there. You are His address. He's not going on holiday. He's not going out of your home or out of your house, out of your life. He's there. He's moved in. He's become one with you. Jesus confirms this. Look at Garden of Gethsemane prayer. John 17, 25. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples now know you sent me. I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them. And I will be in them. Remember what I said. God loves you as much as He loves Jesus. Deal with it. Your love will be in them. I will be in them. God's dream is intimate and exclusive oneness with us. The joy set before Him. Why do guys run at the bachelors and they get shot to pieces and they get like dressed in tutus and they stand at poles? Why? Why do they endure? For the joy set before them. They're willing to endure because it's a small price to pay to get married to the wife of their dreams. I have a lot to say about those things, but I won't use this platform for it. Why do they endure? For the joy set before them. Why did Christ endure the cross? Because of you. The marriage with you. We are members of His body. Ephesians 5 verse 30. Of His flesh and of His bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. I was always puzzled. This is from Genesis. Why is it the man who leaves? Because Christ left his father. Selah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a holy moment right there. <laughs> Did you feel it? It was wow. Christ left his father to move in with you. Yes, there's some principles and practicalities we can do in this life, but the verse is not about that. Paul says it is about Christ and the church. He left the place of honor. He left His Father. He left heaven. He became one of us so He can marry us. How is this even possible? Oneness with Christ. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17 says, But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. Listen to 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17. It says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
There's more freedom in marriage than there is outside of marriage. The world doesn't see it like that, but there's more freedom, there's protection, there's safety in marriage. A place to be yourself, a place to, to live out who you are called to be. But there where the Lord is, the Spirit, there is freedom. Freedom from self, freedom from sin, freedom from this world, freedom to enjoy your oneness with God through His Spirit. Remember I said John is a bit of a different book. So we go there often. John 4, 22 says, Your people don't really know the one they worship. The Jews worship out of our experience, for it is from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of right place, but right heart. So context there, Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. Context again, it's Jacob's well. So it comes from Genesis. And the Samaritans think this is where the water of life is coming from. This is where we should worship. And then the, the, the um, Jerusalem people say that the Jews say, no, it's on the mountain. It's in the temple. You see, they're all Adam. They're all carnal. That's all about what is the GPS location? Where is God going to show up? And then Jesus says it's not about that because it's not about this realm. It's something more. The context there is drinking from this well. From here on, worshipping the Father will not be a matter of right place, but right heart. If you look at the context there, worship is drinking from the well. Isaiah speaks about drawing out of the waters the well of salvation. That is worship. Worship is when you live like God has called you to live. Worship is when you let out what He's put in. Not when you lift your hands. I love worship, I love music, I love to sing and, and like just lose myself because that helps us to get into unity. When we sing the same song, at least the same thing is coming out of our mouth, amen? <laughs> but there's worship in doing what he says, worship in drinking from that well. For God is a spirit and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship him and adore him in the realm of the spirit and truth. The context of Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well is broken intimacy. Remember the word of knowledge you had? You've had five husbands, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. What's the context? Christ and the church. He is taking that broken intimacy, that broken relationship, and He's showing us redemption, which is why I came, is to restore what you can't figure out by yourselves, which is even romantic relationships because if you don't understand Christ and the church you'll never be able to live man and wife because true love is this not that you do anything but lay down your life so only when you receive what Christ has done lay down his life you know what real love is and only then will you be able to lay down your life for your spouse and only then will you have a successful marriage the context is the well but the context is you have had four or five husbands and you don't know how this works but I love you enough to come all this way in the desert, in the meat of the day, to come and explain to you that it's actually a spiritual unity, not a physical one. Broken intimacy. Jesus invites her to a quenching of her eternal thirst, her longing to be accepted, to be good enough, to be loved. Forgive me for reading this in Afrikaans, but this translation really brings it out. It says... Um, verse 23 daar kom echter een tijd en dit het reeds aangebreek 
wanneer die echte aanbidders, die vader vanuit de hechte verhouding met die gees en in waarheid sal aanbid. Without, what is worship? It's close, intimate fellowship with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 tells us that as well. Verse 24, God is gees, God is spirit, en die wat om aanbid, moet om vanuit de hechte verhouding met die gees aanbid. So what is your first place of worship? It is becoming one with the Spirit. And from that place, then praying in tongues, you are praying from out without your relationship with the Spirit. When Natasha and I started dating, there was a prophetic word spoken over us that together you'll glorify God more than alone. I want to extend that to you and say you and the Spirit together will glorify God more than you ever can by yourself. That's obvious. But so then in your marriage, so then in this life. If you're married or not, your maker is your husband. Isaiah 54. Let's conclude this. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17 says, But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Remember I said Paul speaks about this. Jesus prayed about this. I believe this is God's dream. Galatians 3.26 For now we are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And we have, we have been baptized into union with Christ are enveloped by Him. The Living Bible says it beautifully. You've been baptized into Christ and so now you are enveloped. You are surrounded. It's like you're going into the pool and you're staying there. You are, there's no place of you that is not covered by Christ. You are enveloped. Some of the translation says you are clothed. You have put on. But clothing is limiting because there's always your nose that sticks out or your, your hands. or like When it's cold, you know like what parts are not covered. <laughs> but this is more. This is that baptizing. It's oneness. It's union. We are no longer Jews or Greeks or slaves or free men or even merely men or women. We are not even merely men or women, but we are all the same. We are Christians. We are one in Christ Jesus. I love that. What are we? We are Christians. And we should say it proudfully. Not because of the, the generations who messed it up, but because of who we are. Because of who are in us and who's with us and who lives now through us. We are one in Christ Jesus. Verse 29. And now that we, ha- we are Christ's, we are the true descendants of Abraham. See how this all comes together. Abraham, in you will all the nations of the earth be blessed. The Jews didn't, they, they read over that. <laughs> they didn't want that. Because they wanted us versus them. God is for us. Yes, God is for us, but God's for the world. I hope I made that clear. But God is in us who accept Him. He is for the world, but He's in us who accept Him, who believe. All of God's promises to Abraham now belongs to us. Remember, we're coming from Galatians 3, 13 and 14. It speaks about the curse on the cross and it speaks about the outpouring of the Spirit. Galatians 3 and verse 16 speaks about the single seed of Abraham, which is Christ. And now that he explains it further, he says, Now salvation has come. Yes, because of Abraham, through his lineage and descendants, but there's one seed and it wasn't Isaac. It was Christ. Isaac is a type and a shadow of Christ to come, the son of promise. Romans 4 elaborates on that as well. Back to where we started, Hebrews 11 and verse 40. That the promise 
has awaited us who receive the better thing that God has provided in these last days so that with us our forebearers might finally see the promise completed. What was promised to Abraham became true in the church. Christians are only Christians after the cross. Because you could not receive Christ before He was poured out. That's why there was a thirst, but now there's eternal quenching of that thirst, which is love, which is the Spirit, which is God. Do you learn something today? You feel stirred up? Do you feel loved? That's the most important thing. Do you feel loved? Do you feel God loves you? Remember God loves you like He loves Christ and you have to deal with that. Like, that messes me up. <laughs> that makes me cry because I don't love myself like that yet. But what is love? Laying down your life. So there's a world out there who doesn't know this. Do you agree with me? Do you know some people who don't know this? So we are getting it printed. Um, it's called the hit list. And we're going to give them out and you're going to write names of people who don't know this yet. Who haven't been born again. Who haven't received the Spirit. Who are not in oneness and unity with God. Think about how horrible that must be. Think about that thirst to be accepted and never being quenched. Never being good enough. Never feeling loved like they should. And we're going to pray over that and we're going to go for it. And we're going to see them come to Christ. Amen. Like Jerusha said this morning, uh, a friend of hers. Is it Chile? Chile from, uh, she's a missionary to Nepal. And she said, we found a lost coin yesterday. Someone came to Christ. We should celebrate each and every one of those births. For me, my born-again birthday is much more important than anything else. Because that's the day my, my, my thirst was quenched, my life started. Let's stand together. Where does this leave us? Where do we go after such a message? Well, first of all, it leaves us in Christ. That's the good news. <laughs> One with Him. Now think about how quiet it gets when you go under that water. Think about all the news and everything. Forget about it and, and, and see yourself in Christ. See yourself in, enveloped. See yourself on that chair in Christ under the water. And listen to these words while you close your eyes. Romans 8 and verse 1 says, Then there is now... No condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. As true as this was for the woman at the well, with five husbands and more broken relationships, with a broken past and no hope, it is just as true for you and I. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that is the covenant we live under. The law of the Spirit of of the life in Christ Jesus that set me free from the law of sin and death. For the law was not able to do in that it was weak through the flesh. God, His own Son, having sent in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, did condemn the sin in the flesh. Remember, the husband leaves his father in pursuit of his bride that the righteousness of the law may be fulfilled in us, 
who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh, the things of the flesh do they mind, and those according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. The more we drink that, the more we are entrenched by that, the more we focus on that, the more we see the joy of Christ fulfilled in us now, the more we should be moved to give that to those who don't have it. To share that with those who are still thirsty, for those who haven't experienced the love of God, the, the grace of the Lord Jesus, neither the intimacy, the oneness, the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus prayed, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.